Everybody, welcome back! Hey, hey. hello, we're back! Woo. I barely recognize any of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's Who been are you? so long. Who am I? Why are you in my house? <laughs> hello, everybody. I am your dungeon master, Nathan, and I am so excited once again to join with my lovely players and you all, the listener, here on Reckless Attack, which is, of course, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. And how I would like to start this episode is to ask everyone what they did in the long stretch of time since we last recorded. What sort of large accomplishments have you done in all of this time we've had where we weren't recording? As players or right, yeah, characters? Like, as, yeah. yeah, as humans. <laughs> as, as human people that I, that I look upon. Steve has just been living as self. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gone full method. Uh-huh. I ran a very fast mile. Hey, that's nice. pretty good. Oh, nice. And then spent three hours drinking like 500 calorie coffee drinks. Hell yeah. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> that is very nice. More on the fitness side, I got my home gym set up. Which it's is, sweet. Yeah. It's pretty good, actually. I, I got it. Now I can uh, do light squats and uh, <laughs> whenever, wow. whenever I feel like I don't even have to go anywhere for it. Calm down your enthusiasm, yeah. Jonathan. It's yeah. coming no, out it's a bit strong. I, I don't have the like all the weights yet, so I can't get like super heavy with it. No lizard brain lifting. Yeah, yet. exactly. So it's all just like nice calm lifting for right now. But uh, as soon as I get those forty fives in, man, I am unstoppable. It's low fi lifting. Yeah. Got right it. Now. That's true. Yeah. For right now, I made dumplings over the weekend, and that was great. Dumplings and bow. I love dumplings. Yeah, they were very good. I would like to object because I made dumplings and you made wow. bao. That is fair. We we were both there for the collective uh, dumpling and, and bao making. Mm-hmm. David and Jonathan's mom was in town, Yeah, which was a fun time. Yeah. But they went to play magic because they had a standing magic appointment. And so he right. and his mom played. He and... No, I'm fucking everything up. Yeah. My, our, our mother... Went and, to go play magic together. Yeah, right, with yeah. us. Yes. And she kicked our asses. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I am attempting to cut down the amount of pop and caffeine that I drink. Ooh. Mm. Nice. So as we're recording now, this is towards the beginning of it. So I'll be perfectly pleasant for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> However, going forward. Yeah. Just you wait. Yeah. We had we had goofy self. Soon we will have grumpy self. Yeah. <laughs> well, that all seems fine or whatever. I personally have written a trilogy of fantasy novels as well as scored two hypothetical movies to them with all of the large amount of time since our last arc ended. So I don't know what exactly you guys are doing, but step it up, I guess. I played a lot of video games. It was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, everybody, please, who are you? Hi, I'm David. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Perfect. There we go. Perfect segue. And Perfect I play Casper Brightmane, the Dwarven Warlock. I don't know what else. Hi, I'm Sophie. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Alaska wow, we're really rusty, you guys. It's been years since we've recorded this. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and it's Jesse Frog Pals, Mango Billiam Jr. <laughs> That's going to be the. Does the... Billiam get to be in the intro if he's technically not there the wow. whole time? Wow. Excuse me, wow. Sophie. 
Billiam isn't in my heart all the time. I know he's in all of our hearts <laughs> yeah. all the time. Billiam will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all just hanging out, having good good times. I'm waiting for more frogs to appear, and then for Jonathan to just state like their condensed name, and yeah. he's made like some weird like Benifer, yeah. or are you talking no, just like, like every the first letter like of acronym. all of their names, like an acronym. Yeah. The back room oh. and just like it's gonna be some fucking weird. It's oh. gonna be something for sure weird. <laughs> I hadn't thought about like that. But Jub- I have Jubilangle. <laughs> yeah, Jubilangle. it's all consonants right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's gonna start throwing vowels. vowels yeah. In there. <laughs> My name is Steve. Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, I am playing a slightly different character for this story arc. This is Self Asterlin, level five, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to level four for the previous arc. Well, everybody, welcome back to a new arc of Reckless Attack. Very excited. Got a lot of twists, got a lot of turns here up ahead of you guys. But we're going to start in the middle of some action. At the end of our last arc, people were lined up outside of the Golden Tree Guild Hall with jobs, with congratulations, all kinds of stuff. But suddenly you guys were a well-known commodity in the city. And I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to what you guys did in these you know we'll say week maybe two weeks even depending on kind of what activities you have but that's not that's not the cool place to start the cool place to start is you are on a quest the four of you already you've accepted a job I'm not gonna I the DM I'm not gonna tell you what you're on just yet but it's a job it's a very important job you have been tasked first of going around the city and finding lost objects in strange nooks and crannies you're looking high you're looking low you're looking inside outside all over the place all strange areas and all hidden coves and nooks and crannies i would like the four of you to each describe your character and what where they're reaching where they're searching what where they have found what it is that they were looking for val is standing next to Selv, so you'd see how truly short she is. <laughs> She's about five feet tall with short, dark brown hair that's braided in three braids towards the back of her head, and they all meet at the nape of her neck and are clasped together with a clip. She's got her eye mask actually tilted up on top of her head, as they're standing in a darkened hallway. Her leather armor is on. She's kind of ready for anything, not knowing where this scavenger hunt, for lack of a better term, (laughs) is taking them. And her shield with the chalice and the half-open eye is on her back, and she's holding out a piece of parchment in front of her. And she and Selv are looking over it uh, and looking at this wall I'm kind of moving the parchment to almost match mm-hmm. the patterns because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like brickwork, but it's almost natural stone that has been like mishmashed together. Awesome, yes. Like some old masoner was like just making stones work, like yep. <laughs> using what natural ones he found to make this wall. So you see her eyes glow almost the same blue as her shirt Mm -hmm. and something kind of clicks. You see like recognition flash across her face 
and she goes up to the wall, mutters something, a prayer Mm -hmm. under her breath, and draws like along the seams of the rocks in a specific pattern, almost forming like a loose star shape. All of a sudden, something moves Mm -hmm. and shifts. And it's at the point of the star. So she has no idea what it is because she's too short and can't see. (laughs) (laughs) So she looks back towards Sel like, what is it? What's what's happening up there? (laughs) And I assume a clawed hand reaches Uh, in to a dark hole. Relatively delicately and takes out whatever object happens to be there. So Checkers and Mango and Junior are in an old, dusty warehouse, probably in a forgotten part of the city. Mm -hmm. And what the omniscient viewer sees Mm -hmm. is this chonky green tree frog (laughs) (laughs) wearing a saddle and a big water barrel on his back. And on top of this tree frog is a small-sized blue frog wearing a black tricorn hat a leather cloak, and a kilt. And he is perched (laughs) on top of Mango, and he's fixated on something, and his eyes have this, like, cloudy third eyelid thing going, Mm -hmm. and he's focusing on something. In front of Mango and Checkers is this very dusty, very large mannequin or, like, stuffed bat bear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just like looking, looking menacingly, frozen in time, with its mouth wide open, and you just see the junior just kind of like emerge from its mouth with this really old like uh, watch and chain. Okay, uh, and just like checkers would probably put it in one of the pockets in his kilt, and be like oh, Val's gonna want to see this one, and probably leap away into the distance. Okay, Selv is is kind of making his way through through the city. He's pretty tall, like six foot five, and wearing his typical red gi with the gold uh, sash on it. He seems to be somewhat reluctantly moving towards the bell tower that the Mothman Prime was perched upon during the attack. Once he gets over there, he unrolls a bit of parchment, kind of looks at it, and looks back up at the tower and starts moving around to the uh, the northwest corner of that tower at just above head height for him is a not perfectly circular, but about a two foot diameter hole still in reality. He kind of looks down at the parchment again and then looks up at this hole, rolls up the parchment, tucks it into his belt and then kind of gives a, a deep sigh and takes his, one of his clawed hands and reaches into this hole And then he's kind of like moving around like Mm -hmm. he's reaching for something and then apparently finds it, grabs it and pulls it out. And when he does, the part of his hand that emerges is kind of covered in frost. He has whatever it is in his hand, but it is caked over in a a thin layer of frost. Perfect. Which hopefully will melt by the time he gets home. (laughs) Um, You you will hope that, yes. yes. (laughs) And then he he kind of gives a big sigh of relief and is like, "Mm, one down and then heads back to the guild hall. So, Kaskrin is wandering around in the dark aqueducts underneath the city of Agmar. He is walking along 
one of these sort of stone uh, lined riverways where the water rushes through. And as he's walking, he reaches his hand and kind of gently drags them alongside the uh, wall of this giant aqueduct. He turns his head back and forth, looking through the darkness and sort of seeing what's ahead of him in that sort of grayish color that Dark Vision is known for, all the while feeling the ground, feeling the wall around him with his feet and his arms that are encrusted in stone. He comes across a circular waterway that is locked by a grate and takes his hands around the bars of the grate to peer through it, seeing (laughs) something that he's looking for on the other side, something that must have washed down here and has gotten stuck beyond. With one hand still touching the wall of stone, he gently molds it, coaxing a rod in the shape of a crowbar Mm -hmm. and levers it into a chain and padlock that was holding the grate shut and snaps it open, opening the grate, walking through, and retrieving whatever item was on the other side. You guys have spent the better part of not just a day, but maybe even two days collecting all of these things and other objects that it has become clear to you might be useful in what lies ahead. But you know, hmm... We haven't found all the objects, but what we have found are tracks. Tracks starting at the edge of the city and going into the woods. Clawed tracks, mostly small, but a couple, one pair of large, four-toed, clawed, almost bird-like feet. You guys prepare accordingly. You travel outside of the city, having a good idea of what you are facing, but not exactly sure how best to tackle it, what it will look like, any number of other things. But you are, after all, brave heroes. Eventually, the tracks lead you to a dark cave. Perhaps you light a torch, cast a cantrip, so you can see your way down. Eventually get to the end of a long cave and you look around not seeing anything but knowing that you haven't missed any twists and turns and then just on the outskirts of your torchlight you see a pair of eyes that seem to be on either side of a head and you can see them glint just a little bit in the light that you are shining. And you slowly see a large creature rear up and make a blood-curdling cry. I was not prepared for that. (laughs) You all have tracked down the cockerel daemon who has been stealing chickens from the red city of Agmar, all around this spectral large chicken, a preening rooster that is the size of a small horse, are seemingly beautiful prize-winning chickens <laughs> that must be impeccably trained. Oh, impeccably? No. <laughs> that are staying still but cowering. You can't tell from you, from this creature or what, but you know 
that this strange spectral entity is what has scattered the chickens across the city, the chickens you see in front of you now, and you know, you know, it must be stopped. So much like on episode one of the Reckless Attack podcast, we're not going to go into a full dice rolling combat. It's going to be purely cinematic. You know, we go back to the dice. We'll go back to the dice later. Don't worry. As the four of you see this large ghostly chicken rear up and, and let loose its horrific battle cry that echoes down the cavern walls, what do you do? We will stop you, foul beast. <laughs> Just to confirm, this is not Gary Carr, right? <laughs> uh, I think that's in, a in fair his true form. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. This is this is some strange. This is a, a creature you've probably researched, but is like a semi-known like phenomenon spirit that occasionally will break in and steal chickens, but also will. Like nonsensically, just like scatter chickens into strange places that chickens shouldn't be. Like I don't know, inside of uh, secret compartments, inside of aqueducts, inside of <laughs> a reality bent clock tower. All of these and more are where you found not just any chickens, but prize chickens, and you know this creature is responsible, and that it must be stopped. Val steps forward. And grabs her shield in front of her, presses her other hand to her holy symbol, and just calls forth spirit guardians that are all chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's appropriate because you know that this creature, while technically, while it believes in its strange alien mind that it is a great liberator of its fellow poultry kind, that it is actually very dangerous again. Whatever it does, it scatters these chickens to the winds, and some of these chickens are not cut out to live out in the wild, let alone inside of a wall. And so you know that you are actually getting great justice for these chickens by channeling the spirits of other chickens to combat this thing. Absolutely. Most of them look like Holoprico. Yeah, of course. Yes, of course. But she embellishes them a little bit more, so they're like kind of scary dinosaur chickens. Got it. Yes, perfect. To really intimidate the chicken demon. (laughs) (laughs) So Kaskrin readies his hammer, about to charge into battle, uh, but first checks in with Val and says, Val, what do you know about this poultry geist? Oh, (laughs) yes! (laughs) 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 He charges forward. Have at thee! It's perfect. I have never been more proud than I am at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, Steve got up and like left. We're actually coming back to the table. We had to take an emotional five-minute break. Kaskrin runs towards the creature, doubling, tripling the weight of its hammer and casting heavy blow before bringing it down towards whatever that he can see, trying to get between himself and the numerous chickens. The that flock. Are, yeah, the flock that are <laughs> scattered around the cave. Perfect. Well, Sal, looks like we're really in a peckle. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Checkers is no, going. I, I asked for this. This is. I deserve this. Carry on. Checkers is going to take out the strange watch that he found inside the belly of the bat bear, and he's going to hurl it into the air. All right, Mango, let's go. Mango's going to leap out from behind him and just like 
grab the watch with his tongue and swallow it. And suddenly Mango just begins like glowing this faint, like a weird golden color. And as Mango lands, he slams down onto the top of the the strange chicken demon, seemingly heavier or doing some more damage than he might otherwise be doing. Uh. <laughs> I, I literally texted Jonathan, whatever whatever you're about to fight has a weakness to this uh, to <laughs> yeah. this watch. You figure out what that means. <laughs> and there and there we have it. If you eat it, it does things. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Yeah. <laughs> Selv will kind of break off and move to, to one side and try to get kind of around to the opposite side of this demonic chicken. Um, Excuse me, demonic? Thank sorry. you. There's an A in there. Dem- Thank you. Demonic, demonic <laughs> cockerel? Cockerel demon. Yes, I had it written down. <laughs> As he moves around, he'll shout to the rest of the party, we have to stop it before it flies the coop. <laughs> and uh, and then he kind of uh, readies his, his quarterstaff and takes a kind of a defensive position on the other side of this evil-looking chicken. So ghostly chickens <laughs> are swarming around ghostly you Ghostly dinosaur chickens, thank you. Very spooky chickens <laughs> are, are swirling all around you. A large, lightly glowing frog has started to try and sit on this chicken. <laughs> a huge sledgehammer blow is starting to just work at this daemon, and there is a stick about to meet the face of this chicken. The combat against the cockerel daemon has begun. What happens next? So there is a moment where the the daemon has been like, wildly flailing its wings and its head, trying to get, you know, make some space or attack the party. And Kaskrin finds himself without his hammer. It's gotten knocked out of his hands, and he is now firmly within the grasp of this creature's beak. He has him by the arms, and it's flailing around, and Kaskrin is just like, you know, one arm is being crushed, and the other is just like uppercutting this creature (laughs) as much as he can. Punching this ghost chicken (laughs) in the face, yep. Uh, But he's clearly in danger as the plot chickens. (laughs) I think we should have stayed on break longer (laughs) Selv sees that Cass is in trouble and so uh, runs up and takes his quarterstaff and is able to get it in between the throat of the chicken and Cass in an attempt to kind of wedge the beak upward and get uh, (laughs) get Cass out of its um, grasp we'll say grasp yeah Yeah. And then as he's doing that, he grabs both sides of the quarterstaff and kind of puts his hip into the chicken and pulls. And you can see the chicken gasping for breath as it is forced to let go of Cass and otherwise, you know, begin to choke. I'm imagining this, like, prolonged, like, team effort to try and get Casper <laughs> out of the beak. <laughs> on of one side, yeah. it's just this chicken, yeah. and then four other people are just yanking on Casper. Well, well, so I, I'm, I'm thinking of this as, like, at some point during this combat, Checkers has summoned Billiam to help. Naturally. So, I mean, you guys are on the ropes, so all the help you can get. So Billiam being this small spherical frog with a large butterfly carrying him and this big muscular tongue extending from Billiam and wrapping around Kaskrin. It's just like the butterfly is flapping its wings as hard as it can trying to pull Kaskrin out and then Checkers is grabbed onto Billiam trying to pull Billiam and Mango is grabbed onto <laughs> Checkers. So it's, this, so it's just this like long tug of war of, frog chain. of frogs and chickens trying to pull Kaskrin out from the mouth <laughs> as Selv is just like trying to lever this beak open <laughs> And it's it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> We're like, come on, Cass, come look at you, look at you there. I'm trying. 
Sophie. Uh-huh. The battle is it's at a tipping point. The two two mighty sides, frogs versus chickens, <laughs> are, you know, it's at a standstill. And you know, you know that the right move at the right time by you will tip this battle into victory or defeat. Val drops her spectral chickens and knows the tide must turn. And in their place comes an army of mangoes. <laughs> Excuse me? An army of mangoes the frog. <laughs> Just like little... Excuse me? Her spiritual gardens has been recast in the form of mangoes. But as frogs. Just as, as frogs. <laughs> we have to tip the scales in favor there of frogs. There must be more frogs. Right. That's the solution to this problem. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't understand before, but now, <laughs> now she's going to read does. of the situation. The age-old back and forth, one that, that maybe even checkers didn't fully understand until this moment, the natural enemies of frogs and chickens <laughs> and a, a battle that has been played out across centuries, generations, millennia, maybe before written history itself. And as the frogs fly, <laughs> as the chickens are strangulated, <laughs> and as this creature is punched in the face repeatedly <laughs> by a rock man, the camera cuts to the entrance of, a, of the cave. It lingers for a moment, and then we see the members of the Golden Tree Guild emerge victorious. Scraped? Certainly. Battered? Yes. But not fried. Leading a score of prize-winning chickens out of the cave, knowing they have done another service to the community of the Red City of Agmar. Congratulations. Hey, nice. <laughs> I uh, I just thought of this, but it would be really funny if Val like tried to turn it or banish it mm -hmm. and said, "Begone!" <laughs> it's too late. The battle's over. No more chicken puns. That's enough. The four of you make your way back to the city, braving the wilds, protecting these weird chickens <laughs> that are weirdly cool to just walk along with you. Mm -hmm. Val got the pamphlet from Gary Carr, the chicken czar. Thank she you. stopped by after she got cold break and was like, there has to be a manual. <laughs> what do these chickens know? Yeah, <laughs> like, there's a list of commands a well-trained chicken knows. Of so she I knows mean, them. Yeah, and she's, like, helping the chickens, like, with commands, <laughs> like, being like, nope, here, here. I imagine even there's just a point heel, where they're, like, showing off and they, like, start walking in single file. And then you <laughs> give them the command, they start walking in, like, a double helix. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> They're very good chickens. <laughs> you guys uh, eventually find your way back to one of the large gates into the Red City, the magically protected city that you know is not perfectly magically protected for some strange creatures, such as weird chicken demons, are able <laughs> to come in every once in a while. And at the gate, town guardsmen give you a wave. They see who you are. They might give you a bit of a second glance as they look down at your feet and see the strange swirling pattern i'm assuming mm -hmm. that they're now all that all of these chickens are making as they're walking alongside you and you enter back into the city and you walk back to your guild headquarters as you return you hear a voice booming out as soon as you come in by the way these chickens oddly quiet <laughs> the whole time Val has been helping them show off and is like 
and speak. Yeah, they will speak when <laughs> yeah. commanded, mm-hmm. but otherwise, serene. And you hear a voice booming out. My chickens! They are here! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and from around the corner, a robust gentleman with a long gray beard, but plenty of skip left in his step, comes around, and you know this, to be the person who sent you on this mission. Gary Carr the chickens are. He is 100% wearing, like, a chicken hat. Yes, yeah, 100%. Either, like, a regular chicken or, like, the the crest. How else would they know he's Gary Carr the chickens are? That's true. It's in all of his promotional material. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at you all, and he looks down at the parade of chickens that you've brought back with you, and he says, Oh, hello. Hello, my beautiful little chicken darlings. How are you all, sa- are you all safe? Turned French there on, on accident. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not a feather out of place. You all have done Gary Carr Chickens are a great service today. And he looks at you all very intensely, like somehow is making direct eye contact with all four of you at the same time. (laughs) And he sticks out a big meaty hand and says, Today you have won a friend for life. I would just like to imagine part of Gary's backstory is he was like, you know what is the best security for chickens? Guard chicken. And like, <laughs> that's how he got into training chickens. And he was like, but they can do cool shit. <laughs> and so it's like, he trained them for like one particular purpose. Is like, no, nah, I'm really good at training chickens. And like, which is like, let's turn. And them now that's like, just this whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagining them like patrolling, like around the coop. It's like, but now they can walk in double helix fashion. Yeah. <laughs> I have been waiting for your return. And I am so happy to see all of my beautiful chickens return to me. I noticed you have a coop out back. If you ever need chickens to fill them for the first time, assuming you have no other chickens <laughs> and want some impeccably bred and trained chickens. I will sell to you at a discount. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And he like bows deeply and gratefully. Thank you for the generous offer. And Cash was like, but we have this other chicken actually. <laughs> and Mal has to be like, no, 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 no. no. Uh-uh. And he gets up and he stands up straight. He looks down at his chickens and out of his pocket, he takes a small whistle and whistles three times. And all the chickens stand at attention. <laughs> and they all walk out. And as he does, he also says, Oh, also, the gold is on the table. Goodbye, my friends. <laughs> and out walks Gary Carr, the chickens are. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, 
they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hello everyone, GM Nathan here, and welcome once more to the mid-roll. This is where I remind you to follow us on all the social medias, particularly on Twitter at Reckless underscore Attack, where we are posting a variety of frogs and memes and frog memes and meme frogs. You can find all our socials by visiting our website at RecklessAttack.com and much more. If you like us, consider supporting us on Patreon. It's one of the best ways to help us grow and improve the show. Early ad-free episodes, level-up talkbacks, and oodles of other stuff await you there at a variety of tiers. Lastly, don't forget to tell a friend if you're enjoying the show, or let us know by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. That's all for me. Enjoy the rest of the episode. And this is but one of the lucrative and harrowing adventures that you guys all go on in the aftermath of the Mothman attacks. How much gold did we make for the chicken escapade? <laughs> 30,000 gold. Wow. All right. Uh, Gary, per, per chicken. For, <laughs> for, for your troubles, Gary Carr the chickens are, because this has been a several days long job. Mm-hmm. And you successfully returned all the chickens without any harm or anything coming to them. You get 350 gold pieces from Gary Carr the chickens Dang. are. As well as, of course, a essentially priceless discount on any future chicken-related purchases mm-hmm. from the Czar Emporium. In addition, you got another 1,500 gold pieces from the coffers of the Red City as part of their thanks for your contributions. This was actually very public because in the aftermath, there were actually public discussions around what had happened. And I'm trying to figure out the right way to say it. There were formal discussions, formal public discussions about what had happened. Vina Calvetta had to take the stand in front of the city council, in front of other members of the public, to say, hey, we knew about this. We had to keep it quiet. Here's why. But it was all reported on, all kind of officially in the papers, so to speak. You guys were fully credited for your role, even beyond just what people saw you do that night, and were compensated accordingly. There is... Certainly, a lot of appreciation has been poured out to you all. The city council has reached out to you with their thanks and said that they would like to throw a celebration for you, but want to give the proper amount of time after the attacks. But that has not stopped the people of of Agmar from showing their appreciation and recognizing you as legitimate members of their community and legitimate protectors of that community. Knowing 
that you have a few irons in the fire. You guys essentially, in a meta sense, have a week or two in between, we'll say, plot-centric jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Where you are able to fill your time, not certainly, certainly not just with to-do lists and shopping trips and what have you, but of taking other jobs, of community service, of connecting with people in the city, exploring, what have you. What would you all have done? Kaskarin spends most of his time building relationships with other people in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, we've met a lot of people, especially in the Red Guard. So he spends a lot of time hanging out with Namgar. He spends a lot of time hanging out with Vina Calveta and learning more about the city itself, the history of it, and how it sort of stands uh, militarily mm -hmm. against what's been happening outside of its walls. Mm -hmm. In addition, he spends a lot of time, especially in the morning, uh, sparring with Cell. You know, he he went down during the last combat against the Mothman, and so he knows from that there are still skills to be sharpened. You know, mm -hmm. new things to learn, new ways to train, and new ways to fight. And so he spends a lot of time honing himself and working on that, while in the evenings, compiling more reports, more dossiers about people that the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild knows, but maybe doesn't have information for yet. And what you'd find out as part of that is that, per kind of your last discussions with Vina, that the bones, for the time being, have been on much shorter leashes, just in terms of literal, like, acreage covered. It's that they're still out there, but they are much closer to the city, and much more reserved in their patrols. And that is still something they're trying to figure out actively of how that is going to change the safety of the city, not having eyes kind of outside of it. Have they also increased the number of bones per patrol? <sighs> yes and no, because they have. But at the same time, if something is controlling the bones or able to control you them... You don't want a whole lot of them in one spot. Exactly. So... Their best kind of in-between right now is kind of a mix of members of the Bones and members of the Town Guard, but that's not really what they're trained to be doing either. They are just kind of there to be not a member of the Bones, basically. So it is still very tenuous, even in the week or two, kind of in the aftermath of you guys reporting back and dealing with all of this. And as part of that, too, as Casquin is out and about, he's keeping sort of a ear to the ground trying to figure out how do people feel after the attack you know do they feel relieved do they feel frightened and trying to see like just keep a pulse on the city I'm imagining you and Namgar at Torts and Ports like one evening just like you know after work basically yeah. <laughs> and you guys are, are talking through and just chatting and learning some but also just kind of going back and forth you're definitely getting the sense that the city is a little on edge, but at the same time, to exist in this world, you have to kind of be weirdly psychologically ready for horrific things like that to just happen out of nowhere, right? Some people are unhappy that they weren't told about what was happening, but the city kind of rolls with the punches. I have a question just about the golden tree guild in general and i i guess the best way to put this to ask the question is does the golden tree adventuring guild 
have a minor league version <laughs> where like for instance simply because of what happened i kind of ima- imagine that there will be some people in the city that would be like hey we want to join the guild but there's a, there has to be a point where they they kind of get trained and go through like all of that stuff so do we have something where we can send them where we have like new recruits as of right now because it's so relatively relaunched you guys were in the minor leagues you guys training together and kind of going through that as kind of the formal thing that's kind of the minor leagues so if there's ever anyone who you're like aha you actually if you wanted to we can put in a good word you will let write your letter of recommendation to get in but also if you had other ideas you're also new enough that you could just suggest it or just do it (laughs) you know like you would have a lot of flexibility to do something like that. So one of the things that I was kind of thinking would be happening with that people would be coming up to self because he's somewhat recognizable and he's, you know, he stands out and asking about how does one go about joining up for the guild? So maybe sitting around the dinner table one night, just be like, I have been approached by several people about them joining the guild. So I have a question for you. Should we set up a training center or should we approach other guilds in the city and ask them if they want to join and create a um, a common pool of people to train isn't our training center just sending them to Rachma that would be a long trip says the dragonborn who traveled from a mountain monastery to Rachma I don't know it that... It's still a long trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but not insurmountable. True. And... Yes. But I feel like what the people are trying to ask for is not so much, can we join the guild, but is there a way that we can protect ourselves? Is there a way that we can contribute to the defense of the city should something like this happen again? And I think that maybe we can't do a training center like something formal, but maybe we could do like a small boot camp. I'm just imagining it's like fucking morning yoga, but morning <laughs> combat with self. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, yep, every day, three weeks, your ass is mine. <laughs> Gotta get to that Zen Garden of Thixius. Yeah. But I, I think that would be valuable for people that want to join the guild, you know? Not only do we find out if you have what it takes, but people who want to get stronger, who want to defend their families now have some more education, some coaching that they can go through. Have either of you put on a community series before? (laughs) (laughs) No. I can yell at soldiers really well. Does that count? No. I have a lot of experience yelling at at soldiers in a professional capacity. Uh... (laughs) We can do this, but please meet me at the desk of doing after breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) So I think over a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. Checkers has been doing a couple things. (laughs) (laughs) I can can imagine. Yeah, yeah. One of those things actually has been a job on the job board here in Agmar. And while he hasn't actually formally accepted the job, he saw it and thought it would be interesting just to go (laughs) poke around and see what's up. So... The job entails investigating why the amount of basically petty theft in a certain area of 
town mm-hmm. has been increasing. You know, people have been reporting it more often of finding things stolen and not really sure what's going on or like things like that, basically. Mm-hmm. Is that where Checkers has been hanging out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, well, that is where Checkers uh, has been hanging out over the past two weeks, and the two are entirely unrelated. So just we'll put that out there. But Checkers has spent some time in the area, just kind of on top of the roofs, looking around, seeing if he can see people who might be causing some of this stuff. And he's been beginning to see some patterns, like similar people kind of hanging around the same spots mm-hmm. or noticing you know, people who are maybe taking advantage of those who might not be as familiar with the city as he is. Of course, I mean, especially the Red City, you know, it doesn't happen every day, but there's a non-zero number of caravans that still come in every once in a while, always new people to the city or people who are just trying to get out into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And while he doesn't necessarily do anything about it in the moment, what he does know is that frequently there is someone maybe a little surprising as part of the group of people that he notices, and that he sees this young girl with surprisingly shiny black hair, I think would be the the big thing that he would notice, hanging around the crowds. He sees her participating in some of the crimes that he's noticing around the city. And the thing that he has kind of picked up about her is mostly just her name. And he's not really sure if it is her name, but uh, he hears people call her Turnip. And he is just keeping an eye on her. How does Checkers feel seeing this as someone who not just has and does these sorts of activities Uh on the regular, but finds deep joy and meaning (laughs) in such activities. Yeah. Like, how does he feel about it? And, like, what is capturing his, like, imagination or interest in this job and kind of, by extension, this person? Yeah. So he is not judging. He's Mm -hmm. just kind of watching for the moment. I think the thing that he is thinking is more or less just a an assessment of maybe her skills Mm -hmm. and her motivations. So he's looking to see, hey, is this person doing this maybe maliciously? Mm -hmm. Are they doing it out of a, like, do they need to be doing this? Basically, why are they here? Mm -hmm. So that's what he's kind of watching. And he spends a good amount of time looking for this. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would definitely say, and and not to influence anything in the future, just like Mm -hmm. facts, is that definitely Agmar has more than probably most cities has a pretty decent security net. Yeah. Just in terms of there is resources, there is places to sleep. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean everyone uses it. Right. That doesn't mean, you know, that could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that Val would like to be doing? Her entire to-do list. <laughs> We've been trying to figure out the best way to go about doing this. Because this has been a legendary to-do list for months of in-game and I think episodes. ever since level two. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Since, you got, since before you got into the Red City of Akmar. What is everyone around the table feeling? I'm thinking, I mean, it's first of all, it's Val. Val can do a lot. And Berga's there to help. Some of these are specifically assigned to Berga and Val's already asked her to complete them. Yes, absolutely. And you know Val. You know that she's on it. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Roll me a d20 and add whatever skill you think (laughs) is most useful for either delegation, planning, prioritizing, project management, or just 
the Constitution to get through your 30-point to-do list? I mean, I feel like it's clearly insight, gauging how much she can delegate, because she won't just delegate to Berga. She's a whole guild. <laughs> right. I am like, I'm like 100% imagining that like Caspian's going about his day, yes. you know, he's got his own <laughs> stuff to do and it starts with just like, "Hey Caspian, can you pick up this thing from the well, bazaar?" While you're out. Yeah, right, exactly. And then mm-hmm. it, it you know, all of a sudden he gets back in, drops something off and it's like, "Well, actually I have to go pick this thing up." And then like suddenly Caspian is just like in and out like a revolving door doing yep. all this stuff for I am for, I am on board out. with insight. Okay. Give me a d20 roll. Guidance. <laughs> hmm. I cast I'm, guidance every six seconds for the next two weeks. I will allow it because you have the desk of doing at your disposal <laughs> to help coordinate all of this. And there are few more religious moments in Val's <laughs> life than this exact activity. So I'll allow it. Thank you. I, you know, I always got to shoot my shot. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was almost an 18 on the die. So not very good, actually. 13. Okay. List off 13 things that you do really quick. Ready, go. Investigate the bone shard we found in the weird cave. Find out more about the smoke creature. Find out who summoned the Mothman. Research the bone's armband. Follow up with the Zahn. Make Etris a new viral carrying case. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Improve the ventilation of Etris's shed. <laughs> Perfect. By, by removing the roof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Has he just not, he's just been breathing in all these fumes. There's like a That's small smokestack, yeah. but Val thinks it could be improved. Um, there's a sub point to that where she's going to enlist self cast and checkers mm-hmm. to get Etris out of the shed. <laughs> she would send checkers. But that's dangerous. Yeah, checkers yeah. might just hang out there for I guess a while. That's, that's seven and a no, half. No, I that's that's part of the <laughs> part point. Of it? Okay. Yeah, um, check for a fairy infestation. Research beast folk. Create a system to alert our neighbors or anyone interested if we are in or out of the city. These are so good. <laughs> I'm so happy. Research the origin of the vault door. Oh, ooh, good one. That's, that's a good nice. One. Yeah. Obtain a museum pass. Uh, got, I mean, got to. Yep. Absolutely. And then for at least a half a day, she's going to commandeer everybody in the guild. Berga, Etris, Taroth can come if he wants. <laughs> and she will lead them through the city on a kebab shop tour. Yeah. Excellent and perfect. I guess the question is, do we in fiction think that Pete's Meats has kebabs? Or is it a jerky exclusive? Or he brings out the kebabs for festivals? What's the fiction that we as a group agree to? I choose to believe that it's like the McRib in that it comes <laughs> yeah. back just randomly like yeah. when he feels like it. Got it. Mm-hmm. I was. I also think like there's like different kebabs of that might not. Course. But like Pete's Meats might have like the trademark on kebabs, and then there's like the kebab. <laughs> <laughs> Famously, you know, Pete's a good dude, but he's very litigious, and <laughs> and he's a real jerk about. The, no, this is a kebab. Uh, I will sue you. Yeah. <laughs> the, the I like Kakarl. Yeah. <laughs> the Castive. I like to think that kebabs are like. A native food, and yeah, it's like totally. something that Pete hasn't quite gotten the grasp of Ooh. yet. Where like he's ha- he's got the stick, and he puts jerky on the stick, and it's like, is this a kebab? <laughs> is this a kebab? <laughs> huh? 
<laughs> and it just it doesn't quite click yet. Yeah, I, I was actually imagining that the the kebab places were separate. Yeah, from 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 Pete's. Like, I think we found when we entered the city, it was like a description before we met Pete mm-hmm. of like you smell like kebabs, a bunch of kebab places all right. around. Mm-hmm. So because that was a very early to do point, mm-hmm. less than ten, you know, mm-hmm. so very early on. Perfect. Much was checked off, and I have taken note of the of the more uh, intense move in the plot forward ones, mm-hmm. and you will be rewarded for spending your time checking on those. I'm imagining Val falls into a routine of getting up, having breakfast with whoever else is up, Berga most days, and then she will go, you know, she's hanging up flyers for the boot camp series that she helped uh, Cass and Self put together. She kind of does like all the errands, moving about town, physical work that she might have to do in the morning. Comes back to the guild hall, like drops anything off. And then in the afternoon when it's hot outside, she goes to the cool, Mm -hmm. calm library and sets about her research, checks in with Andromeda, Checks in on how her restricted section pass is coming along. <laughs> Just very cool, very Just casual, cool, supernatural. Yeah. We can't tell you how the pass is coming along because it's restricted now. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll make her way back to the guild hall for dinner, check in with everybody, see how their day went, make sure Etris is still alive. You know, hasn't, she knows he'll have lost hair. But checking yes. on digits. <laughs> and w- and what hair? And how much hair? <laughs> right. And where is that hair that it has gone? Mm-hmm. Did it go somewhere else or is it just gone? Actually, has he I, always lost hair? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I prefer to also think of it as like sometimes there's the swath of extra hair. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He is working on that shampoo. So. Yes, precisely. Um, I was going to say something else. I forgot. Uh, oh, and then as she goes up to her room and if she has extra Third level spells. She would use sending. To whom? Her mom. (laughs) Mostly her mom. Sometimes her dad. Very rarely her brother. (laughs) Every other Friday, like, hi, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you? What are you messaging your mom about? Because again, it's 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 what and what's the what's the spell? And could you give the quick description for the people at home? Yes. So sending. Is the spell new for fifth level Val? Ooh. Ooh, fancy! I can send a short message of twenty-five words or less to a creature with which you are familiar. They hear the message in their mind, recognize Val as the sender if they know you, and can answer in a like manner immediately. So, one day, as you guys have been doing whatever it is that you are doing that day, maybe you guys again. Have I know that there was some degree of mandatory mealtime. I don't know if that was breakfast, dinner, what have you. But the four of you find yourselves either on the way back or already back at the guild hall. And you are, like Sophie said, kind of falling into a nice routine, whatever that looks like for adventurers doing weird <laughs> shit all the time. It's towards the end of the day, but still kind of during normal business hours. And you go through the front doors of your guild hall. Sitting there are two people. One of them. Berga, your kind of guild guild master, guild handler, guild guild office admin. office admin, exactly your uh, your trusted Let's, right can hand. Can we just call her the guild master because that 
That's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's she deserves good. it. Yeah, I think right. she does. We're gonna guild master. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. And the other individual sitting there is a certain PI tree guy. Hey. <laughs> I knew it. Alareth, who, for those of you who don't remember, is a essentially a small kind of tree ant kind of looking individual, skin made out of bark. Wearing a dramatic fedora, and I think I described it as a trench coat. I don't remember for sure, but at least that's what he's wearing today. Kaskrin gives kind of like he cocks an eyebrow at Berga, not asking so much what is he doing here, but did he come through the door? Yeah. And Berga just shakes her head. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> because oh. Alareth is sitting in a chair looking very grumpy. Oh. And as you guys come in, Alareth kind of stands up. And he says, I've been waiting for you guys. I had to make an appointment. You see Berga look at you, Cass, and like kind of waggle her eyebrows <laughs> and be like, fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I have a lead that might interest you all, as well as some information. Could we talk? Absolutely. The group of you head into a side room to have a conversation. I'm imagining the camera kind of pans over the life-size carving of Alareth <laughs> as you walk past. I feel he... like Checkers has definitely put that in the conference yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's like just permanently sitting in one of the spots in the room. <laughs> yep, perfect. And the last thing, maybe Val, I'm imagining just for the sake of, of drama, you are the last person to, to go through just mm-hmm. because you happen to straggle. And Berga, uh, clears her throat and makes also very pointed on. Berga hasn't said anything. She's just, it's exclusively (laughs) eyebrow waggles and meaningful looks. And she looks down at her desk and you see a piece of parchment, you know, that is all folded up, very pristine, has some ribbon on it and a wax seal. And you would recognize that wax seal as the seal of the Agmar library. And based off of the eye contact that you and Berga, again, totally silent, all mental and emotional communication, you know that it is an update on your request to enter the restricted section of the library. Val absolutely forgets to go to the conference room and runs, <laughs> dives for that parchment. <laughs> And we will see, we will reveal the contents of that parchment and reveal what is going on in this meeting on our next episode of Reckless Attack. Thanks for coming Yay. back, everybody. Yay. Yay. See you next Welcome week. Welcome back. Yay. Jonathan, how did you grow a two-foot-long beard in a month? Yeah. Oh, oh I have plans. <laughs> Little known fact about Checkers, he has to shave every four hours. <laughs> it's actually not a barrel of water. It's a barrel of shaving cream. Right, yeah. It's like the kids oh, in a hall episode of the guy that was on the airplane and forgot his nose hair clippers. Yeah. And at the end of the flight, he had a full beard out of his nose hair. <laughs> Horrible. And then he sneezed, and it's like... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> on that, great, no- great on that note. On that note.